Hello, everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I'm thrilled that you found me, but more importantly, I'm thrilled that you found Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. And as we journey together, we will unleash discoveries of how to turn hearts of stone into ones of moldable clay for the potter Jesus to transform. I hope that you'll consider joining me and others each week as as we adventure and explore life together. And periodically, friends, will delve into my mailbag and answer questions from listeners just like you. So if you have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, welcome back, everybody. Today, we are going to continue on in our series of betrayals, biblical betrayals, I should say. And we're looking at Absalom, who betrayed David, his father. So we're continuing to look at this whole theme around biblical betrayal. And specifically, we're going to learn the how, what, when, and why of David's son, Absalom's betrayal. So to start with, we begin back in the book of Deuteronomy. Moses was the author of that book, and this book was written to Israel, specifically the new generation entering into the promised land. And its purpose was to remind the people of what God had done and encouraged them to rededicate their lives to him. So in Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 11, Moses says, Understand therefore that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and constantly loves those who love him and obey his commands. But he does not hesitate to punish and destroy those who hate him. Therefore, obey all these commands, laws, and regulations I'm giving you today. Furthermore, Deuteronomy established guidelines for a king. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 14 through 17, Moses instructs, You will soon arrive in the land the Lord your God is giving you and you will conquer it and settle there. Then you may begin to think we ought to have a king like the other nations around us. If this happens, be sure that you select as king the man the Lord your God chooses. You must appoint a fellow Israelite, not a foreigner. The king must not build up a large stable of horses for himself, and he must never send his people to Egypt to buy horses there. For the Lord has told you, you must never return to Egypt. The king must not accumulate vast amounts of wealth in silver or gold for himself. Now, God was not advocating Israel to appoint a king to rule their nation. He was actually against the idea. He was their king and the people were to follow and obey him. But God knew that one day the people would demand a king for selfish reasons. They want to be like the nations all around them. So if they insisted on having a king, he wanted to make sure that they chose the right person. Now, these instructions were for the people's benefit. And it, it's often asked, why was Israel the chosen nation of people? Well, the answer really is simple. It wasn't based upon Israel's merit, but rather it was God keeping his promise to their ancestors. 
Just as God chose the nation of Israel, he's chosen all believers today to be a part of his treasured possession. Similarly, it is not because of our merit that we've come to faith in Christ. Instead, God chose us out of his goodness and his grace. So David failed to listen to Moses' instructions. In the city of Hebron, David sired six sons, all by different wives. This caused him much heartache. And even though God spoke through Moses with instruction regarding polygamy, it was an acceptable practice for kings in David's day. But if you've been studying God's word for any length of time, you'll recognize that his instructions for us are guardrails for our own good. It's not that we serve a mean, manipulative God. It's quite the opposite. He is a sovereign God. And some of the heartache coming from his numerous sons included rape, murder, rebellion, and greed. These all stemmed out of jealous rivalries among the half-brothers. And Absalom, was the third-born son in Hebron. His mother was Makkah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur. And Amnon was the first-born son. We learn through his sin that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. His cousin encouraged him to sin. And oftentimes we're more susceptible and vulnerable to taking the advice from someone inside of our circle of trust, such as a relative. With this in mind, we must evaluate all advice given to us by God's standard. Love and lust are gravely different emotions. Amnon raped his half-sister and his love turned to hate for her. In reality, he was overcome by lust. Love is patient. If he truly loved her, all he needed to do as a prince to the king was ask for her hand in marriage. But lust requires immediate satisfaction. Love is kind. Lush is harsh. Harsh. Love Lust is harsh, excuse me. Love doesn't demand its own way. Lust does. While lust feels like love in the beginning, when physically expressed, it results in self-disgust and hatred of the other person. Once again, this is why God has placed protection and guardrails into our lives. God takes the act of rape seriously. In Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 28 and 29, Moses instructs, if a man caught in the act of raping a young woman who is not engaged, he must pay 50 pieces of silver to her father. Then he must marry the young woman because he violated her and he will never be allowed to divorce her. You can see rape was and is forbidden by God. Sins about sex are not innocent dabblings in forbidden pleasures as they are so often portrayed, but rather powerful destroyers of relationships. They confuse and tear down the climate of respect, trust, and credibility that is essential for solid marriages and secure children. Amnon raped Absalom's sister Tamar. He claimed to have fallen desperately in love with her, even to the point of obsession. 
Amnon confided in his crafty cousin, who told him exactly what to do. And after the act of rape, he called for his servants, saying, Throw this woman out and lock the door behind her. Tamar left, tearing her long robe she was wearing, as was the custom of the day, signifying she was a virgin daughter of the king. And she put ashes on her head with her face held in her hands. She went away crying. But Amnon, throwing her out, he made it look like she had made a shameful proposition to him, and there were no witnesses on her behalf because he had gotten rid of the servants from inside of the room. His crime toward her destroyed her chances of marriage because she was no longer a virgin. She could not be given away in marriage. And Absalom saw her distressed and asked if it were true that his half-brother had done this. His advice wasn't great either. He told her not to be upset since he's her brother anyway. So Tamar lived as a desolate woman in Absalom's house. When King David heard what had happened, he was very angry. And though Absalom never spoke to Amnon about it, he hated Amnon deeply because of what he had done to his sister. And Absalom tried to comfort Tamar and persuade her not to turn it into a public scandal. Secretly, he planned to take revenge against Amnon himself. And this is what he would do two years later. Absalom told Tamar the crime was only a family matter, but God's standards for moral conduct are not suspended when we deal with family matters. David was angry with Amnon for raping Tamar, but David did not punish him. David probably hesitated because he didn't want to cross Amnon, who was his firstborn son and therefore next in line to be king. And David was guilty of a similar sin himself with his adultery with Bathsheba. Hands down, David was unsurpassed as a king and as a military leader, yet he lacked the skill and sensitivity as a husband and a father. After taking revenge against Amnon and killing him, Absalom fled to Geshur because King Talmai was his grandfather and there he would be welcomed. So Absalom stayed for three years, but King David longed to see him, and Joab arranged for Absalom's return. Absalom had three sons and one daughter, whom he named Tamar. By naming his daughter Tamar, Absalom was showing his love and respect for his sister Tamar. This was also a reminder to everyone of the Amnon-Tamar incident. Absalom showed seeds of rebellion over his entire lifetime. He was an independent and scheming man. He took matters into his own hands, killing his brother without his father or anyone else to keep him in check. He did whatever he wanted. For instance, he set Joab's field on fire because his father had not yet wanted to see him once he was back home. And he did all of that just for attention. But David only made half-hearted efforts to correct his children. He didn't punish Amnon for his sin with Tamar, nor did he deal decisively with Absalom's murder of Amnon. When we ignore sin, we experience greater pain than if we deal with it immediately. Absalom was a schemer. He instituted a national rebellion against David. Absalom tricked the people into thinking he cared for them and was concerned about them. He was indeed a sneaky serpent. 
Think how Lucifer clothes himself as the angel of light. While Absalom gains David's permission to go to Hebron, while there he gets secret messengers to stir up a rebellion against King David all throughout Israel. A messenger soon arrived in Jerusalem to tell King David, all Israel has joined Absalom in a conspiracy against you. Absalom's political strategy was to steal the hearts of the people with his good looks, his grand entrances, his apparent concern for justice, and his friendly embraces. Many of the people were fooled and switched their allegiance. Later, however, Absalom proved to be an evil ruler. David chose not to crush the rebellion for several reasons. First, the rebellion was widespread and would not have been suppressed. Second, David didn't want the city of Jerusalem to be destroyed. Third, David still cared for his son and didn't want to see him hurt. David had planned to return to Jerusalem soon after fleeing for his life. He left... 10 of his concubines in his palace. Now Absalom asked his advisor what he should do next. And he answered, go and sleep with the king's concubines. This rebellion was a direct attack at overthrowing the king's throne. And it fulfilled the prophecy by the prophet Nathan. His predictions was that because of David's sin, another man would sleep with his wives. And in the culture of David's day, this would have been considered an act of treason. David made a plea as his men went out to hunt Absalom. He said in 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 5, deal gently with young Absalom. Well, Absalom, during the battle, unexpectedly came upon some of David's men. He tried to escape on his mule, but he rode beneath the thick branches of a great oak. His head got caught. His mule kept going and left him dangling in the air. The prophet Nathan also told David because he had killed Bathsheba's husband Uriah, his own sons would rebel against him. David truly loved his son, but it would have been much more loving had he been a father to this young prince and have checked his ego at the curb much sooner. A father's mistakes are often reflected in their children's lives. In Absalom's, David saw a bitter replay and amplification of many of his own past sins. God had predicted that David's family would suffer because of his sin against Bathsheba and Uriah. David's heart was broken as he realized that God's predictions were coming true. And God forgave David, but he did not cancel the consequences of his sin. David was horrified as he saw his son's strengths run wild without the controls God had built into his own life. By most casual observations, Absalom would have made an excellent king and the people loved him, but he lacked the inner character and control needed in a good leader. His appearance, skill, and position did not make up for his lack of personal integrity. David's sins took him away from God, but repentance brought him back. In contrast, Absalom sinned and kept on sinning. Although he relied on the advice of others, he wasn't wise enough to evaluate the advice he received. All Absalom needed to say was, I was wrong or I need forgiveness. God offers us 
freely his forgiveness when we genuinely admit our sins and confess them to him. But Absalom rejected his earthly and his heavenly father's love. So friends, I hope that that sheds some light on the story of Absalom's betrayal or rebellion against his father, David. And friends, today, if you want to experience an intimate, personal relationship with God's son, Jesus, spending eternity in heaven, I would invite you to pray this prayer of salvation now. God, I miss the mark. I'm turning away from my sins. Come into my heart. I believe in your son's shed blood for all who acknowledge he took on the sins of humanity, past, present, and future at the cross of Calvary. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe you were spiritually born again. Your next steps are to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you. Allow me to be the first to congratulate you on the most important decision you've ever made. Congratulations and God bless you. And friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special Kid Talk show airs on Wednesdays when we're not in the middle of a series. So tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, love in action, biblical wisdom, what the word of God says about trust, rebellion, and betrayal, and so many more topics. I hope that you'll come alongside me as we explore the Bible together. And if you like this podcast, make sure to hit like and subscribe to ensure that you get the latest episodes as they become available. And why don't you be a blessing to someone else today by sharing this podcast link with them. Much of today's podcast was referenced from my book, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring, you may want to consider reading it in its entirety. And you can easily pick up a copy from my website, pampastorcopywriting.com or Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Dorrance.com. Friends, if you're unable to afford a copy, please write me. I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. You won't be disappointed. It's full of God's word. Until the next time, be blessed and remember you've been marked and sealed with the cross of Jesus Christ forever. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Until next time, friends, God bless.